Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see so many faces again um, and a privilege to be speaking to you this morning. We're carrying on with our series of talk talks in the book of Ephesians, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to recipients of which we're not quite sure, but we think it's a group or a church that Paul hasn't met in person, but he knows by reputation. We've got quite a big chunk of the letter to get through today, so let's get stuck right in. Um, it's Jane that's drawn the short straw this morning. She's going to read the passage, and she's going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, to chapter 5, verse 14. Jane. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your formal way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person such a man is an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. Thanks so much, Jean. That was quite a epic. Can I mute now? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, quite a, an epic passage there. Shall we need a, a drink of water after all that? So I'm going to give you another little sneak peek into uh, behind the scenes of the preaching team meetings. Jim usually sends us breakdowns of the passages of the next series and we discuss them to pull out the main themes. Um, and then we volunteer or get our arms twisted to take on the passages that we want to speak on. I, however, usually have another discussion going on in my head, which goes something like this. Oh Lord, look at that passage. It's so negative. I feel sorry for whoever's preaching on that one. Then I feel the Holy Spirit nudge. You should take that one, Mo. No, no, I don't think so. I don't get it. The other passages have all been just about how the Gentiles are brought into the family. We're all in Christ, part of the body. And then this is all impurity, anger and rage and stuff. Let someone else take it on. Not so subtle a nudge. You do it. No, I need to hear someone else preach on this passage. Someone more experienced. They'll do it so much better than me anyway. And then the Holy Spirit's like, Mo, fine. And then to the rest of the room, I'll take this one. <laughs> then I spend the next weeks panicking. And then gradually I begin to see. I begin to see the passage in context, not just the few verses that have jumped out and scared me. And I realise the only reason Paul can now call out his hearers on these behavioural matters is because he has spent the previous three chapters making sure that they know their true identity in Christ and as part of his body, the church. I realise I may overlap a bit with Jim's talk from last week even to the point that this uh, talk could have the title Living a Life Worthy of Your Calling Part 2 or to use a vineyard catchphrase I can't help it it's ingrained is belong believe behave it's it's like the franchise movie if you like we've got the live a life worthy of your calling part 2 belong believe, behave. Anyway, 
I'll, do, I'll move on from that. <laughs> we won't go there. I'm not going to get any voiceover work soon. To explain that catchphrase a bit, what we mean is that we want people to know that they belong, that they are part of our church family, even when they're still not sure if following Jesus is for them, even if they have questions or doubts. Then we hope they do come to believe, believe in Jesus as Lord of their life and that he loved them so much he died and was raised to life so that he could have a relationship with them. And then we hope new life begins. Um, and that should involve changes in behaviour as we develop our relationship with Jesus, try to imitate him and become more Christ-like. It's often noted that things happen in that order, belonging before believing, before behaving. As I've sought to get my head around today's passage, um, I can clearly see the belong, believe, behave structure in Paul's letter. In the first couple of chapters, we're hearing phrases like adopted as sons, no longer aliens, but fellow citizens. And also having believed, you were marked in him by a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And Paul prays for the faith of his believers, eh, of the hearers to be strengthened, to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. So he deals with the belong and the believe bit. And as they and we have been reminded of how much we are loved, we can move on with Paul to the behave bit. Jim's section last week started us off on Paul's very practical suggestions of how we should behave to live a life worthy of our calling. And we continue with that through this passage and beyond. Our passage starts with in verses 17 to 24, a reminder of where these people have come from and where they're going to. The Gentiles, as the hearers of this letter seem to be, that is, they're not Jewish. Paul says the Gentiles are in general desensitised to sin, desensitised to what's wrong and what's right and live as if anything goes promiscuously and permissively. But Paul says they are to put off that old way of life and in verse 23, be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, Paul, so we've not to be like that, but how exactly do we put on this new self? Paul, I'm glad you asked. Speak truthfully, verse 25. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, verse 26. Notice it doesn't say don't get angry, just don't let it lead you down the path where it lingers and causes resentment, which can lead to all sorts of unwelcome and unwanted outcomes. As we are warned in verse 27, don't give the devil a foothold. Stop stealing. In fact, don't just stop stealing, but turn your life of taking into a life of giving. Verse 28. 
Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only what is helpful for building each other up. I.e., words have power. Use them wisely. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, and every form of malice. In between those last two, verse 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I'm unclear as to whether it's a particular behaviour that grieves the Holy Spirit, but to pick up on what Jim was saying last week, we want to live so as to honour the free gift that we've been given that is marked by us receiving the Holy Spirit and to honour God as the giver of that gift. And so with that motivation, we want to do what pleases the Holy Spirit and not what grieves him. In the sandwich of the list of don'ts, Paul gives us some do's. Be kind, compassionate and forgiving, just as we've been forgiven. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children, just as children copy what their, what their parents do. That's exactly how we are to be with God and live a life of love as Christ loved us, sacrificially. Then back to the don'ts. Not even a hint of sexual immorality, impurity or greed. No obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, rather thanksgiving. Again, a reminder of the power of our words. Then the verses that uh, jumped out and scared me. Chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. No immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. I confess, I don't like these absolutes. No one like this gets into the heaven, gets into the kingdom of God, whether that's as it started now or when it has fully come. And I like even less the idea of God's wrath. My insides all scream, eh, but what about forgiveness? What about God's love? But I've come to uncomfortably understand that the one does not negate the other. God forgives. Yeah, God is love and God is just and God is holy. And that means he will pass judgment and there are things and people who will not be able to stand when faced with God's holiness. I've quoted uh, Tim Hendry, a former student and preacher on this before. We need God to be holy. Otherwise, he wouldn't be good. Let's face it, we wouldn't want impure or immoral or greedy people in God's kingdom. Otherwise, it wouldn't be that great. And in the end, no different to the world. Where's the hope in that? So again, Paul, how do we make sure that we're not like that? That our behaviour is changed in the light of God's forgiveness? Just that, Paul says, 
live as children of the light. Find out what pleases the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 10. Just as you would in any loving relationship, you want to do the things that make that person happy. You want to find out what pleases them. Same thing in our relationship with Jesus. Light exposes and light drives out darkness. If you have to hide your behaviour from others, I would suggest that you question the healthiness of that behaviour. In saying that, light can be healing too. There are many types of medical therapy which make use of light, UV, infrared, lasers, and often these can be used to heal scars. The light metaphor is pretty strong and relevant whatever way you take it. The last verse uh, we read today is generally accepted to be a quote from an early Christian worship song. Song lyrics can get stuck in your head. And if I was a betting woman, I'd bet that come tomorrow or even later this afternoon, very few of you will remember what I've said, but a lot more of you will remember the songs we've sung. So Paul's making use of this phenomenon to make his point memorable. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. My takeaway from this quote is, stop just sleepwalking through life. Wake up, get out of your old way of life and live in the light of Christ. I think my anxiety over this passage was the accusation that often gets laid at Christianity's door, that it's just a list of do's and don'ts, that it's just about being good. But I've discovered it's not just about anything. On a practical level, all of Paul's message is how to maintain community. All this list of do's and don'ts are the how to do relationships 101. It's simply really good advice. A healthy life is an integrated life. One of the prevailing philosophies of the day at Paul's time was the body itself was evil and enlightenment only came through the mind. And so in some way that what you did with your body didn't matter. Anything goes. Another school of thought, which Paul has had to refute elsewhere, is that because we have been given grace and forgiveness, then we should keep on sinning because that God gives God more opportunities to forgive us and to show his grace. But um, Paul says, no, our beliefs and our behaviour are intrinsically linked. What we believe is shown and acted out in the way we behave. That's why any change in behaviour starts with the renewing of our minds. Let's see verse 23 again. And you can ask Jane or Scott kind of in a coaching context to get behaviours to change. We have to tackle how we think about things. So if we truly belong to and are welcomed into God's family, 
And we truly believe that we have been given such an amazing gift of grace and forgiveness. How would we behave? I would suggest that how we would behave would be to do our best to imitate Jesus by doing the things Paul says we should do and not doing the things he says we shouldn't do. To remind us of what Jim said last week, there is nothing we can do to earn God's love. That is a free gift. But how we behave is a response to that love. We want to be honouring to the gift and the giver and live a life worthy of our calling. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, come renew our minds. Change our thoughts so we can grasp how much you love us how much you long for us to be part of, our, of your family and help us to move from thoughts to action so that we can show by the way we, we behave that we are yours. Let us show that family resemblance. I pray for people here this morning who need to hear your words of forgiveness. I pray that you will cleanse them Gently, as in just a gentle stream, washing over them. I pray that you lift them up, set them on their feet again, and direct them on the right path. Lord, help us live in a way that honours your free gift of love and forgiveness. Amen.